Welcome to episode 75 of the Contrafabulist podcast. I'm Audrey Waters. And I'm Kim Lane. And it's 7.30 at night and I said to you, hey, are we going to do a podcast? And look at us. We are. I'm like, sure, let's do it. We got lots to talk about. Uh, yeah, where should we start? Well, I think last week we were somewhat looking back at uh, how we were closing out the year and a little little recap on what a tough year it was. And I think this one, let's maybe start with a, some predictions and talking about what's what we think this year is going to look like, I guess, or maybe what other people are saying it's going to look like, because you're so good at a aggregating predictions from across the space. Yeah, I'm I'm not so good at making predictions myself or I should say I have little interest in making predictions, but I'm fascinated by how some people find making predictions and reading predictions and needing to hear other people's predictions as actually like a core way in which they sort of know and navigate the world, um, which I, f- I mean, I just find it sort of a, a fascinating phenomenon. Um, the the whole, you know, I mean, obviously, I you know, I spent the last month, two months working on sort of a, a recap, a look back at 2017. But what what's fascinating is how many people are obsessed with sort of being able to know what's coming in the next few months, in the next year, in the next five, ten years. I mean, there's such a, there's an industry even around um, people who are, you know, uh, fortune tellers in a way, but of course couching it in terms that are much, that make it sound as though it's much more scientific. Yeah, and I think there's, as you lightly mentioned there, I think there's a whole flock of folks who are very uh, captivated by this and love hearing it and use it to 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 guide their worlds and what they're what how how they see the world and they get uh, very defensive when you when you challenge it and they also are not at all critical about uh, holding any of these people to uh, any sort of accountability when it comes to these predictions which creates for a, a, a pretty fascinating uh, kind of endless wave of predictions that seem to mean not much. Well, I mean, I think that that's what's so kind of strange about it, right? Is that like, on one hand, people seem to really not care or not really be willing to, like you say, hold hold people accountable, right? Nobody, nobody seems to stop inviting Clayton Christensen to come and speak at their conferences, even though he continually has sort of made these um, false uh, prophecies, I'll purposefully use that language, false prophecies about the coming apocalypse of education, of higher education, or 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 K through twelve education, right? So no one seems to want to say, "Looks like you're really um, your predictions are uh, unreliable." Um, you're you're full of it even um no one says no one seems to want to sort of stop from inviting him to speak and and more broadly i mean not not just sort of individuals like him but this the whole industry of sort of market research um 
that these that these um, companies companies like Gartner um, are like uh, get things wrong all the time and people don't seem to mind which is odd to me that we'd spend so much time sort of fixating on what they say about the future invoking them as sort of citations when we talk about the future and then really not being mad at all when they get the future when they consistently get the future wrong um i mean if there were other people you know if there were other it's just fascinating because i mean people lose their minds right the people lose their minds when the when the weather person gets the forecast wrong right people get really upset if 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 in other circumstances they're grossly misled um, in order to make certain decisions about the future, right? I mean, you think about the way in which people react to um, the, you know, the Fed chairman, for example, um, and yet somehow when it comes to these sort of business and technology predictions, people kind of shrug their shoulders and and they keep they keep listening and keep repeating. Um, keep repeating these these folks and and keep waiting for their predictions. I would say not keep waiting for them. They stop waiting for them as soon as they come out. They just like think that they already they're 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 set in stone. People just seem to to just I don't know. It's like there's something special with technology that seems to have this kind of. And I keep finding myself go back here. I was writing a piece today. And I hate using this, but you know this addictive quality that is kind of like people love uh hearing these stories and it's kind of like this soothing you know kind of opiate that 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 calms them down about um and distracts them from whatever is going on it's 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 what you you know you're reading on your 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 computer while you're, you should be working at work or doing something and and instead you read something about Elon Musk promising something and it makes you feel better about your No, I think that that's I mean I think that that's I think that that's true and I think that you know particularly you know I think that there are a number of different stories that were being told. I mean one story that I think is um grossly exaggerated is the story that um technology is changing faster than it's ever changed before right and so if if you're being told this story repeatedly that things are changing faster than they've ever changed before that makes it sound as though things are really uncertain right that 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 introduces a great deal of uncertainty it's very hard to plan um, for the future, to plan, you know, to think of, uh, you know, plan for your next quarterly report or plan for kind of um, products that you want to release in the third quarter of 2021 if technology is changing so fast and faster than it's ever changed before. So it, there's a great deal of uncertainty um, in, that's introduced with this, with this sort of storytelling. And I think that, that, that there is also just a great deal of uncertainty and precarity um, um, actual material precarity in the world around us. So people do look for soothing stories. I get that. People do want certainty. I mean, people do want to know, is it going to snow tomorrow or not? And people don't want to be, you know, bullshitted about the plans that they need to make for the weather. But what's interesting is that people seem to be a lot more comfortable with being sold a bunch of fairy tales about the future of tech. But I think well, that they want to be I mean, soothed, for sure. There's something about technology, and, and I would say there's there's a certain class of, of men 
who I have have kind of a pantheon in my head. These are people who, who you know, or personas who were you know in the '90s were very gadget oriented people. I mean, they probably still are to a certain degree, but before the virtual stuff, you know, gadgets were 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 much more dominant in in this class of people. But now it's 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 the people who really believe the the uh the elon musk stories you know i mean he doesn't actually have to do a thing all he's got to do is tweet about it and and there's 80 stories in all the tech blogs and everyone's talking about it and everyone believes it's true and these 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 people just just eat this up non-stop and it's like you know if it's an opiate kind of thing they're just kind of you know popping these downers constantly on a regular basis to keep from from paying attention to what's going on and 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 back to that addictive quality and they get really defensive when when you challenge on it but i feel like maybe not you know maybe it's a conscious tactic by a certain group of people but there's a certain disruptive quality when you're just peppering you know uh, the tech blogosphere and then you know once it rises up in the tech blogosphere uh, uh, occasionally you'll hear it on NPR as well you know you hear that the, the blockchain thing on NPR you'll see it in the Wall Street Journal you'll see and that kind of reinforces that at a whole other level that oh now it must be getting real it must be something true and then you'll start paying attention to it at your business and there's a this is how you keep people off off their guard about being able to plan for the future, you know, when it comes to business technology, what are you going to do as a business? What kind of decisions, purchasing decisions and procurement decisions are you going to make? And then after you see several waves of this, you may be very cautious as a business, but at some point you're going to be like, we got to start thinking about this. We got to start doing something here. And one of the best examples of this I have in my head was sitting in, uh, Trinity, uh, college in the library there when you were invited by, the the faculty to uh to help them answer this question you know like what should they be doing you know to 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 plan for the future with all of this 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 uncertainty and i'm like sitting in that library while you're you're having dinner with them and 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 they're i'm like man how long has this library been here and look at all these books look at all this knowledge like is it really gonna be going away within like a couple years or is this just hype to keep people, you know, keep people off their guard. Right. I mean, Trinity College, you know, founded in 1592, um, but still somehow feeling that it's, it was on the cusp of, of going away. Yeah, I, I actually, so I, I want to talk a little bit about the person who I sort of most closely, in some ways, most closely associate with these kinds of predictions about the future that um, that are proven wrong again and again and again, and how this individual is still taken seriously as a business person and as a, sort of a, a technological and scientific genius, and that's Elon Musk, right? And so, so Musk. Um, on so I should back up a little bit. So you and I, I think in the middle of last year. We started thinking about um, some of these predictions that we were hearing all the time, and we started a project where, in fact, I think it was sort of co- tied up with why we decided to rename our business Contrafabulist, but tied up with the stories that people were telling um, and about the future. And you started sort of using technical means um, 
to gather up all of the predictions that the tech blogs were making about um, the future. And I started with a more sort of manual uh, process of just making note of them. And I write a blog post every Saturday morning where I chronicle all of the predictions that have that have crossed my desk in the last week. Um, and then on the first of the year, I went through and I went back through all of the ones that I'd gathered. And I noted all of the predictions that were made about 2018. And of course, there were predictions made by Elon Musk and made about Elon Musk. And which is, again, which is really so interesting because this is a person who has, I think, I mean, it's hard to judge his his whole career now, but he <laughs> he's had a lot of he's had a lot of hits, but he's had a lot of misses, right? And so he, he predicts that humans will be his prediction for 2018, um, or his predictions, but the predictions that he's made about 2018 are that humans will be on the reusable rockets that he's um, that his company SpaceX has been launching. So that's his 2018 prediction. Predictions about Musk and his companies are, among other predictions, are um, Barron's predicted last year that Tesla, his electric car company, would be profitable. But Tesla has... (laughs) Tesla's not had a good run of things, right? And Tesla has made a bunch of predictions and a bunch of promises to people that it's really not followed through on. Um, Back in early 2016, um, Musk unveiled the Model 3 Tesla um, and invited people to make make pre-orders. They had to make a, a down payment, a refundable down payment on the car, but essentially an interest-free loan, right? An interest-free loan. People people made an interest-free loan to Elon Musk and to Tesla. Uh, I think it was $1,000 to reserve your your Model 3. And it's now the beginning of 2018, and these these cars are still... He's still not in full production, right? There's like the 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 cars keep getting pushed back, pushed back. I mean, I think some have left the factory, but if you gave Elon Musk a thousand dollars in 2016, that's two years of an interest-free loan that people have given him with no no car in sight. And it's just fascinating to me that like, he's this figure that I think people really associate with what the future is going to look like. He was out this week doubling down on his prediction that we're going to be able to hook human brains up to computers. Um, (laughs) um, We could talk about the problems of computer chips, but like these predictions that are, he's made about people being on Mars. um, People eat it up. People give him money. Regular folks gave that man $1,000 two years ago for a car that has, that they will, that I'm guessing they won't see, I won't predict, but I'm guessing most people won't see their car this year. Yeah, it's fascinating. I'm trying to think of the number of people I've uh, 
given a thousand dollars to for that amount of time with no questions asked i mean interest free too i mean my mom wouldn't i mean like after a while my mom would be like by the way there's interest on that loan yeah it's a it's a it's a unique unique mix of people who buy into these these stories and i think about the other areas when i have these conversations with people one of the questions i ask is you know what's the what's the the biggest most seismic technology that's happened in the last decade and people really have a hard time coming up with anything of substance you know that's happened that's been just you know ground shaking changing how we do things in the last And yet decade. we believe this idea that technology is changing faster than it's ever changed before and that new technologies are being adopted faster than like you can't have it both ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I mean when I go through the list of things, when I go through the last, you know, my adult life basically the 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 things that have shifted. I mean, one the internet definitely shifted the landscape. I would say mobile phones have definitely shifted the landscape and then I would say Blockchain? <laughs> what? Blockchain, you know, what, right? What has it, I would say Facebook and Twitter definitely, you know, I mean, that's built on the internet. Social, I guess, had an impact. I wouldn't say a positive impact. It's had an impact. Um, I really can't think of much else that is like, I mean. So can I push back a little bit on, like, one of the problems I think when we talk about technologies these ways that that way um is i mean there's a there's a graph that i see oftentimes in circulation it was in i think of it because it was in mary meeker's internet trends um report that that she issued this year again one of these one of these people that folks really look forward to every year the release of this venture capitalist list of slides about what's supposedly happening and going to happen in in technology and she had again she had one of these slides that's you know technology is technologies are being adopted faster than they've ever been adopted before and one of the things that she had on that list was mobile phones but um mobile phones were not introduced in the last 10 years right the the first cellular phone mobile phone was introduced by Motorola, invented by Motorola, excuse me, in 1973, right? So like what, like what are we talking, like are we talking about the invention? Are we talking about when things became commercialized? Are we talking about when a quarter of the population has adopted something, half the population has adopted something? Like, I mean, I would definitely say that the ubiquity of mobile phones and the ubiquity of smart quote-unquote smartphones is certainly recent but the mobile phone the mobile phone is you know 40 plus years old so the idea of having a mobile mobile telephony is not new a mobile computing device right even a mobile computing device is not new the palm pilot mm, when, when do you think the palm pilot came out what, 93, 94, what? I'm going to go, thanks to the Googles. 97, right? So even even mobile computing is not 
attend- With like is, a whole app ecosystem type thing. Right. So mobile computing isn't is 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 older than ten years too. I mean, I think that these things, you know, we we narrate the history, we narrate this history of technology so strangely and selectively to be able to reinforce certain but, but ideas. Artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course. I mean, that's. When was that created? <laughs> when was that created? Never. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's been been being promised since the fifties. Right. 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 I mean, and so I think that this idea that that but this obsession about you know predicting the future, I mean, and I think artificial intelligence is a great example of that because, you know, at the outset. Um, the men who gathered to sort of come up with, coin the phrase artificial intelligence, sort of uh, lay out the origins of the of the discipline, if you will, um, predicted that within, you know, within a decade or two, all of the problems of artificial intelligence would be solved. And like you said, this was in the 1950s. Um, and, you know, clear, clearly, clearly that's, hardly the case, um, which actually perhaps is a good segue to the news that we learned on Wednesday of this week, which is this uh, vulnerability, or a couple of vulnerabilities, meltdown and specter in um, computer chips. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know too much about the technical details of this, but it sounds pretty bad. It sounds like pretty, I mean, Speaking of, you know, somewhat, you know, ground shifting technologies, like when you have to reboot the cloud to recover from a, uh, 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 something like this, you know, it's, it's, it's a bad thing. So these are, these are vulnerabilities in the, in processors. The fir- at first the news was, this was a vulnerability in Intel chips, but it turns out that it's not simply a problem with Intel. It's a, it's a problem. It's a design flaw in processor chips, um, uh, many manufacturers' chips. But it's a design flaw that's existed for a couple of decades. How long do you think it's been exploited? I mean, I mean, how, how many people in the know do you think have, have been using this? I, that's a, I mean, I, that's a great question. I mean, I'm certain that, that this is something, I mean, I think that the, the, um, I think it, was it Google that discovered it? I Yeah, I haven't I haven't read up on it. I don't know all the details yet. I mean, I think that the folks have known that the that the exploit was their Intel and others were informed of the exploit late last year. Um but but this is something that's been in existence for this exploit has has been there for this flaw I should say has been there for a very long time, um, and so, you know, thinking about how we're we're layering we're layering these all of these new practices and systems, building these building new infrastructure um, on computer processing that has had for 20 years a massive security flaw in it to me is really frightening um and you know just thinking about you know here we have you know Elon Musk for example suggesting that in the next 3 to 5 years we're going to be hooking our brains up to computers and meanwhile 
a, a, a flaw that's been in computer chips for decades now has just been disclosed publicly. Well, I mean, it makes me have to wonder what other flaws are out there, what other design flaws and things that are known or not known about that we just haven't reached, you know, the point where they're, they've become a problem. And yet with, with these things happening, I mean, again, people, I mean, don't, can't even develop those, those abilities to ask hard questions and go, whoa, whoa, wait, stop, put the brakes on this whole internet of things. No more putting of processors into new things until we fully understand this. No one's even remotely going there. And after what happened with, uh, you know, Facebook and the election and now with, you know, Zuck being fully, you know, Hey, we're, we're, we're committed to making sure this doesn't happen after denying it for many, many months. Um, still people are like doubling down on more tech, more tech and, and still get pretty defensive when you ask any questions about AI, blockchain, machine learning, I can keep going down the list. Yeah. Or the, you know, the internet of things, et cetera. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, I think about all of the, we talked a little bit about the, you know, this last week with all the folks who purchased, if not adopted, but purchased voice assistants for their homes, you know, um, over the holidays and thinking about how we've just got like a load of new products. Although it's not, it's not quite clear to me that all of the internet of things, um, devices are susceptible to these these two vulnerabilities i mean i think it depends on the kinds of on the kinds of processor um chips that are on them and some of them don't have processor chips some of them are really just sort of what they have is um wi-fi capability but they don't actually have any sort of um processing power themselves um but even so you know the this this idea that we might want to be more thoughtful that we are, you know, I mean, it's not, it's actually, so I don't, I don't think that technology is changing faster than it's ever changed before, but I do think that in some ways what, what we've believed that and made changes without thinking about them. So I don't think that the technology is changing very quickly but i think that but i think that a, the 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 ideology of rapid change has demanded that our social structure and our political structure and our economic structure change rapidly which is again really destabilizing and and it is you know to tie it up it is why people seek solace and comfort in predictions people want to know people want it some People want some certainty. I don't think it's that the tech is changing really rapidly. I think that we are just being told that we have to make a bunch of changes and adopt a bunch of things. And I think that it is, it is, it is really unsettling. Yeah, I mean, I think and purposefully it's... unsettling. I mean, I think it's it's strategically unsettling. I think that that's. I think that you know, although I mean, I think that. You know, I think some economists would say that sort of markets like certainty, but I think that in some ways the technology industry loves disruption, right? The technology industry has really built itself on ideas that, that of of rapid change and and destruction, 
and disruption. And it's really forced people to make, make, to feel as though they have to make these rapid changes, even though they wouldn't be prepared to do so. You know, I think about all of the schools who've gone all in on technology, on varieties of technologies, um, from the, from administrative technology, instructional technology, things that they're demanding their students use, technologies that they're requiring parents to log into. They've made all of these demands within the last, you know, couple of years, but have have no preparation for any kind of cybersecurity or information security or backup plan if all of this stuff is found to be profoundly vulnerable to to exploits. And so it's again it's not that the technology is is rapidly changing. It's that that we're being sold this bill of goods in which somehow we have to. Well, I think markets at one point preferred stability, preferred you know, knowing, but I think in, in, you know, late stage capitalism syndrome and when you have, I think this, this, this unique mix of libertarian kind of, uh, anti-regulatory, uh, tech, techno, uh, delusionism that, that, and fantasies that, that comes out of Silicon Valley, when that marries with that investment money, I think it's created this new, new way of disrupting markets you know you think about you know the uber and and the taxi industry it's like the only way you're you know sure uber had this slight incremental shift in how we do things we now use our mobile phone to to tell the cab we want rather than hailing it that was a slight shift but really to go after this they have to lose money i mean they lost five billion dollars last year you have to lose money to disrupt the unions disrupt this existing industry use all of this hey everything's moving fast you have to shift and to get the whole industry off of its you know this entrenched existing multi-trillion dollar industry this is how you're going to get it get at it so this is how they this is how they shake people down is by keeping people off their balance um thing you know and this is how every this is probably how things are going to play out from here out forward is is as you know there will still be a handful of, of emerging markets you can go into but really in the existing markets you have to just like shake everybody and everyone grabs for all the scraps and then someone you know those people get you know because those this handful of people knew that the, the tables were about to be shook they got most of the scraps that flew out of everyone's park pockets and this is how markets are going to work going forward because of this very you know uh selfish view individualistic view of how things work and th- it just so happens that these some of these people who believe in this are also very susceptible to these kind of delusion uh kind of visionary uh messages that get pumped out so to wrap it up, I'm just going to run through the predictions that were made last year about 2018 and um, hop it, jump in if, if you want to talk about any of these. But I think, um, you know, to think about the way in which what you just said, you know, to, to build on what you just said, the ways in which we're being told, we're being sort of told that the shape of the future looks a certain way. And... If you are wise, 
right? That like, this is part of the messaging. If you're wise, you would pay attention to these fortune tellers because as things shake out, you're going to be like one or two steps ahead of the competition to be able to catch, you know, to be able to catch the, the, the fruit from the tree. So the International Data Corp predicts that global IT spending will reach $2.1 trillion by 2018. Gartner, on the other hand, says that global IT spending will be $3.7 trillion. So firefighting drones will take flight in San Francisco by 2018, according to the San Francisco Examiner. Uh, Investment Bank says that the cost of electric vehicles will match the cost of regular cars by 2018. Like I said, Barron's predicts that Tesla will be profitable. Uh, Demand for artificial intelligence and machine learning experts will rise by 60%, says Kelly Outsourcing. Vietnam will legalize Bitcoin. Magic mushrooms will be legal, according to CBS. Jared and Ivanka will leave the White House. (laughs) Hopefully in handcuffs. Audrey editorializes. Um, Morgan Stanley predicts that Theresa May's conservative government will collapse. Uh, Airbus will have its aerial taxi in 2018. Uh, Deutsche Post DHL will deploy self-driving delivery trucks in 2018. Um, Bitcoin is going to hit $10,000 benchmark. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think that already happened. Um, Jose Canseco says also said that um, Bitcoin would hit $10,000. Global e-waste would hit, will hit 49.8 million tons by 2018. McDonald's will accept Bitcoin by 2018. Uh, billionaire hedge fund manager says that Bitcoin will reach the 40,000 mark. Um, another uh, trader says that Bitcoin will reach the 100,000 mark. Um, a different investor says that Bitcoin will hit 50,000 mark. Another investor says Bitcoin will hit 60,000. Um, Forbes says that Vermont, Michigan, and New Jersey are going to legalize pot. And Ed Surge says that OER will become the essential teaching tool by 2018. And I haven't really gone into what the Horizon Report predicted for 2018 because the Horizon Report is dead. Did they predict that? They didn't see that coming. Weird. Yeah, that's a... I would say all those Bitcoin ones are going to come true. All All of them? them. (laughs) Including the McDonald's one? (laughs) And then it's going to be back down to 1,000 by the end of the year and everyone's going to be cleaned out. (laughs) Not the Winklevi twins. Well, I'm hoping that your prediction that they end up making enough money to buy Facebook when it's uh, trading for pennies. <laughs> uh, that's not a prediction. That's a fantasy. But that's actually that's a perfect way to end it because I think a lot of these a lot of these things are fantasy, right? It's just wishful thinking. Right? Well, I think the 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 magic mushrooms being legalized in 2018 will. Uh, We'll, we'll definitely feed that. Um, yeah, I guess we'll see. Till next time. Alrighty, till next time. <laughs>